0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in
1: your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
0: Very good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sportbox. Tech rebounds as bond yields ease. The Nasdaq has its best session since November, just a day after slipping into correction territory. China fuels concerns over inflation as factory prices rise at the fastest pace in two and a half years, driven by a bounce back in export orders.
2: Right, GFG's Sanjeev Gupta holds desperate talks to negotiate breathing space with Greensill Capital amid reports investment giant SoftBank cloud another $400 million into the collapsed lender just months ago. And the EU plus the EUK, guess what? Yeah, they're locking horns, this time over vaccines, as the bloc accuses Britain of blocking exports, triggering an angry denial from Downing Street.
3: Coming up on Squawk, we speak to the CEOs of Adidas, JustEatTakeaway.com, legal and general, and Quilter as earnings season continues across Europe.
2: why I was slightly hesitant on my headline just now? Because I was doing some maths on my phone. God, I've been doing maths for your benefit, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I was doing. I was basically just checking out on my calculator that I got my numbers right, because I think numbers, well, it's kind of what we do for a living, isn't it? But let's have a look at this. Look at this. Extraordinary. Actually, what you really want to look at is that. Look at that. One of our producers just walked in. You've got to look at this. It's amazing. Look at this. Huge, huge rally. The Nasdaq Composite had its best one-day performance since November, boosted by a big rebound in some of those tech names. We were talking about this yesterday on the other side of the coin, uh, and Karen was talking about, well, the ability of this sector to rally at some stage. Well, my goodness me, did she know? Did she know? We'll find out a little bit later on. Tesla and Apple were leading the way high. Now, the index entered correction territory on Monday which means down more than 10%, yeah, as the pandemic recovery hopes spurred a rotation away from growth stocks. Well, look at this. Let's have a look at some of the the big moves. And I've already shown you that as well. So I'll move straight on to the U.S. markets because there's a point I want to make. And that's why I was doing maths for you lot out there as well. So look at this. The Dow... Did zip, yeah? <laughs> okay. The S&P, which again, has a, a high proportion of uh, uh, of the big names and, and consumer discretionary, of course, Amazon was, was the big move to the upside there, 1.4% higher. But look at this, 464 points higher uh, on the NASDAQ. So I've got myself thinking about catalysts, not catalytic converters, catalysts. What was the catalyst for this big rally as well? But let's have a look at some of the individual names. I mean, seriously, seriously, big moves on some of them as well. Facebook was up 4% as well. eBay was up 5%. Look at Zoom video, that was up 10%, but this, This is extraordinary. We're not talking about a small company here. We're not talking about one of the the smaller. We're talking about a a, a trillion dollar company there or thereabouts at times as well. 19.6% higher as well. Uh, In fact, if we have a look at the one month performance of Tesla, my goodness me, enjoy the ride, ladies and gentlemen, because from our January highs, we're down 27% and yesterday massively up 20%. And we were talking about the likes of Kathy Wood and to be fair to her, She's sticking with her guns from those interviews as well. So so what was the catalyst is what I want to know. ladies. Yeah, we can talk about rotation. I've seen a bit about short covering. I've also seen a bit about this as well. So let's have a quick look at the treasuries because people say, oh, well, we were really worried about the future cash flow, the discounted, blah, 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 because um, the treasuries were at 161, but now they're down to 152. So that's the catalyst. Really, ladies and gentlemen, is that the catalyst? Come on, is it that, you're that hair trigger that you can put on $105 billion in one day on one of the biggest stocks in the market because of that? Let's get back to the Tesla board as well. The producers have been primed so they know where I'm going for once as well on this one as well. So I thought there must be another catalyst. So I did what any self-respecting journalist should do. I went on Google and, and I found actually that actually there was a catalyst There really was a catalyst yesterday, and we'll we'll speak to someone about this in a few moments Yes, basically, in China, they've been selling a hell of a lot more uh, Model Ys. They were pretty flat on their Model 3 sales, but we'll ignore that for now. So yes, Model Ys, they delivered in February, and I've got the numbers here because I've been working hard on it as well. They delivered 4,630 Model Ys in February compared to 1,641 in January. That's really good, yeah? That's 3,000 extra Model Ys. So... Did we put on $105 billion for that? Well, let's do our maths on this again. This is what I did. So I took the numbers and I looked at the profit margin on Model Ys as well, which, let's face it, models uh, from Tesla profit margins have oscillated a lot over the years. But we think they're making on their Model Ys out of China about 30% at the moment. Now, that is fantastic. I am not denying that. That is absolutely fantastic. And how much does a Model Y cost to produce in China? It costs $36,852. See the work I've done for you lot. Done a lot of work. So 30% of uh, 36,852, uh, a profit margin of 30%. And if you've made 3,000 extra vehicles is an extra profit of, wait for it, $33 million. That's a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So the catalyst, just so we know, for $105 billion going onto the value of Tesla was 33 million pounds of extra, oh, beg pardon, dollars of extra profit. See what I've done for you? <laughs> Not bad, is it? That's, that's, that's what happened. It was the treasury moves plus the China sales that I'm being told moved Tesla yesterday. There you go. Let's have a look at the NASDAQ on the one day. Uh, it was up 3.7%. I want to speak to Mark Horton. He knows a lot about this sector. He also knows a lot about Tesla as well. And I know he's an aficionado of the brand as well. So Mark Horton, Investment Director of GAM. Hello, Mark. You've heard me going on. Now, I know that you know far more about this than I will ever know at all. But isn't that an extraordinary move? The China sales plus the Treasury move equals $105 billion in extra value for Tesla.
1: Yes, I mean, it really was a a quite extraordinary move, frankly, last night. Um, I think also there was some fuel put on the fire the night before when you carried your uh, interview with Cathy Wood. And she talked a lot about Tesla and how uh, they saw a lot that other people didn't uh, in terms of what the future was going to look like. And it only needs a few of these pieces of kindling on the fire uh, after such a, a, an aggressive sell-off that um, it gets the herd instinct going and uh, the Reddit chat rooms moving um, and and you get a sort of self-fulfilling uh, bounce of, of quite epic proportion, as you say.
2: Mark, uh, so let me get this right. Lady and who uh, runs fund that is long Tesla says she likes Tesla Can't think why. Uh, And then stock goes up $105 billion. Uh, uh, That's part A of my question, which I think is slightly sarcastic. But my second point is, this is different. You're an investment director. You are not a gaming expert as well. But do you think what we are seeing, and I think this is a very real trend, and we can see it in smaller stocks, which we expect to see it in, but big stocks like this is perhaps slightly more curious, the gamification of the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with that. Um, I have not seen um, such a bifurcation across the market uh, in my investing career as as, as we see currently. You know, there are segments of the market which I think are hugely, hugely overvalued. The IPO market, uh, maybe the SPAC market, uh, this group of retail names that have become extremely popular, the sort of gamification names. Uh, And at the same time, there are portions of the market that really look you know extremely cheap you can pick up a company like facebook for you know a teens a teens multiple of earnings um and so i think yes this gamification is a key factor we've had huge numbers of i think new players into the market uh, opening up um, new trading accounts particularly in the united states and because of all the money that's been pumped into the system it creates a liquidity flow that can move so aggressively from one side to the other almost on a daily basis and create these uh, very outsized moves in individual names. And I think as an investor, taking the long-term view, you've just got to try and um, stand aside from that and and remain sort of feet planted on the ground, looking at the fundamentals and deciding where you really think things are going to be long-term.
3: Marker, I'm glad you're making a distinction between the high flyers, those are IPO stocks and broader technology names because I can see very clear trends too when you break down the technology basket of stocks. Yesterday when we had big moves in Tesla, GameStop was also moving at the same time when investors were digesting news that $1,400 stimulus checks would be in the post possibly by the end of the week. And of course we saw some of that money spent on stock market speculation last time round. So how much longer do we weather this uh, retail trading frenzy? That seems to be cropping up in a few stocks yet again because of the stimulus.
1: Um, I think it's just a case of being you know extremely careful when when dealing in those types of names. I mean, there is no justification really for the GameStop uh, share price being where it is. But you know, as we know, markets can be irrational for um longer than we can remain solvent. Um, and so it's really important just to take care in these types of names and, and probably in a sense. avoid getting involved in them um you know gamestop is essentially um you know blockbuster for video games there's there are question marks about its uh, about its future really so it's very hard to justify the move it's had and there are other names that fit into that category as well so uh, as an investment um, portfolio manager um we try to look at these sorts of names and put them to one side and focus on those names where the market is perhaps uh, you know being more rational
3: Let's do a bridge then across to some of those big IPO stocks because we can see a huge amount of momentum in in that area. I mean, Snowflake, this is a cloud storage firm that effectively has doubled since its IPO in September. Other names too, Lemonade, which is an online insurance company, it's tripled since its IPO mid last year. But if you think about what we keep on hearing from fund managers, analysts of the sector saying we're very early on in this digital acceleration story, what the pandemic has unlocked is a, a journey that's very long and we're just in the infancy. So even though we're seeing excessive moves in a very short period of time in these stocks, is there more to come because of the journey that has now changed with the pandemic?
1: Um, well, there are a whole series of questions in, 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 in that question. I mean, I think the answer is yes. Is that we're we're in an, an enormous phase of change, and the pandemic has acted as a full stop to business as usual uh, and created this big shift into the world of digitalization. And digital technology um, grows at a, a at a geometric pace because of Moore's law. So there is a natural accelerator um, built in. To what's going on and this of course poses the problem because when you're trying to forecast out two three five or ten years into the future um the 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 options that you have for where that growth path might go can vary very dramatically in in, in a higher growth business and therefore really it becomes about a, a degree of speculation and guesswork and probability and that of course is is a a basis on which one can fantasize about what some of these companies are worth. And that's what many of these investors are doing. And therefore, stock prices, in a sense, can move anywhere. Looking at the IPO market, which you uh, um, highlighted, I think it's fascinating that the Renaissance ETF, which um, follows IPOs after they've come to the market, has massively outperformed the S&P, where normally it tends to perform in line. And if we consider that when they start to register those ipo prices it's already after the ipo itself probably has been priced higher than originally planned and has also had its first day at the moment 50 or 100% higher move then it's continuing to outperform beyond that it's 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 crazy frankly
0: uh, mark how do we differentiate between the ipo market and the spac IPO market because CNBC's own uh, index of uh, SPAC launches suggests that 66% at least of those that CNBC follows are now trading below their IPO price. So they haven't been a tremendous success for those who followed them from the launch. What do you make of the SPAC phenomena and is it an area that investors should take seriously or set to one side?
1: So I think that the, the SPAC market is is, is is fascinating. I think it could become, over time, um, a very... Um Genuine, legitimate route to market for companies. At the moment, it's sucked into the um, hype that's going on around certain segments of the market. Some of these SPACs obviously have gone to enormous premiums, only to come crashing back down again. But in essence, you know, when you launch a SPAC, you have a pool of money. And there's no real reason why at that point the SPAC should trade for any more than the value of that pool of money, i.e., the $10 at which the shares are launched, maybe even a small discount. Only when a deal is actually transacted and a merger takes place can you then take a fundamental view about what you think that company is then worth. And that's really the point at which I think uh, investors should start to look at the SPAC and say, is this actually an interesting company? Has it come to the market at an attractive price um, is is this a long-term investment opportunity? Then I think there could be some very exciting um, investments to be made because, of course, the SPACs don't have investment banking sponsors in the same way that IPOs do. So we haven't got analysts writing lots and lots of positive research. Uh, So if you do your groundwork, you can look at some of these merger candidates and decide for yourself before perhaps the broader market has taken a view on whether they're interesting investments or not. But you need to wait until the target has been identified and the merger consummated.
0: Mark, what I'm hearing in your voice is a lot of caution, it seems to me. And uh, I'm trying to figure out here uh, what your position is then uh, over the short term in terms of tactical allocation, and then for the slightly longer term here, it seems to me that you like a lot of these companies, and you like a lot of the tech that they're offering, but maybe not at this price.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a, that's that's very much right. So I think that um, there's a lot of froth in certain parts of the market. Um, and as a growth investor, which is broadly what, what, what I am, um, my biggest risk is always uh, being too long of growth and, and being very uh, low, lowly exposed to value. So I have this growth value factor risk. And of course, in the last few days, depending on whether it's been an up day or a down day, that gets pushed around very, very violently. And there's been generally a move towards value this year. There's been a big outperformance of value over growth. So I think one needs to be cognizant of that. So we're focused very much on, A, the long term, our strategic view that we're moving into a new digital wave where we'll see um, the digitalization or higher levels of digitalization in industries like healthcare and industrials um, and transportation. And at the same time, we're looking at the post-pandemic opportunity. So uh, rather than looking at companies that have benefited from the pandemic, which have already done very well, and in many cases are overstretched, looking at companies that are going to benefit from uh, people's opportunity to go out and spend money again, leisure spending, travel spending, I don't know anybody who isn't dying to go on holiday. So looking for opportunities in the digital world that exploit that post pandemic uh, move, I think is also um, really interesting at the moment.
0: Pleasure catching up. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Mark Horton, Investment Director at GAM, who is uh, investing with a digital wave in mind. Do you know what an uh, analogue wave is?
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's a digital (laughs) wave?
0: Very good. I like it. Uh, Bit of dad dancing first thing in the morning. Uh, Coming up... Coming up later on in the program, our colleague stateside will speak with NYSE President Stacy Cunningham. That interview is at 1600 Central European time. Uh, the U.S. House is set to approve President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan today in the final vote before it becomes law. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the bill, which includes a fresh round of direct payments and extended jobless benefits, will help Americans through the crisis. She also vowed to quickly send aid to state and local governments once the bill is signed into law. Well, the U.S. Consumer Price Index is expected to have risen 0.4% in February or up 1.7% from a year ago. The Bureau of Labor Statistics releases figures today But some economists believe the number could more than double by May as the American economy reopens and consumers receive their next round of stimulus checks. That would bring the inflation rate closer to the Fed's 2% target but could also weigh on investor returns. Part of the reason why people are getting excited about these inflation numbers is the fear again of exported inflation from China. We're going to talk a little bit about the latest inflation data in just a moment and why it's raising a few eyebrows.
2: Exported inflation from China? Haven't we just had decades of exported deflation from China? Yes, we have. Oh, my goodness me, how exciting this show is. And I'm told the podcast is rather vintage today. For more on the Tech Rebound, as well as the broader market action, check out the Squat Box podcast. I'm told it's a winner.
0: European Council President Charles Michel has rejected accusations of, quote, vaccine nationalism in the bloc. However, he criticised the UK and the US, claiming they had imposed bans on the export of jabs produced in their territory. The UK government hit back, denying the claim it marks the latest deterioration in relations over vaccines. Meanwhile, the UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab will meet a representative of the EU delegation in
2: London today to discuss the issue further. I, I don't see the point of this, row. Charles Michel is either got his facts wrong or he's lying. Mm-hmm. Dominic Raab's either got his facts wrong or he's lying. Do you know, and it suits them both for their domestic audience, doesn't it? Charles Michel trying to shore up the European vaccination story. Dominic Raab trying to say how good we are in the UK. Do you think they just got on the phone with each other and say, any chance of having a row on this one so we can both look good at home? Because otherwise they both look stupid, don't they?
0: I thought I was the cynical one. You've out-cynicismed uh, me oh, this morning by suggesting yeah. that there is a pact here to well, uh, just, appeal to domestic nationalism. They're, really,
2: they're so busy arguing over yeah. the terms of Brexit and Northern Ireland at the moment between Sefcovic... And Lord Frost as well. Why open up another front unless they both had something to gain domestically from? It? I'd love
0: to argue with you more about this, but mm. we've got to move on because okay. Sam's waiting. Uh, China's factory <laughs> prices grew at their fastest pace in almost two and a half years in February. Strong export demand helped push prices up by 1.7 percent on the year. Sam has details on the data. Quite a big jump then, Sam.
4: It was indeed, uh, Jeff. And you hit the nail on the head there. It was just a few days ago, of course, we were talking about those very impressive export numbers out of China. And so this data was largely uh, consistent with that jump. And that just goes to show that there is still this very strong demand for goods out of China. And so this data came as manufacturers were said to be uh, filling a lot of those export orders. So Chinese factories clearly still gaining from uh, this pandemic, these lockdowns around the world, and also this fiscal stimulus we're seeing in other countries countries. And that's all been really playing into this strong rebound we've seen in the manufacturing sector in China, which has largely been supporting the broader recovery. But of course, like we saw with those export numbers, this data did come off a low base because, of course, this time last year, China was really at the height of the outbreak and that put many people into lockdown. But moving forward, this uh, global vaccine rollout, this global recovery uh, and also this fiscal stimulus we've been seeing is all expected to help uh, continue to support these uh, producer prices uh, in China particularly after a year of deflation now consumer prices when it came to those uh, they actually stayed in deflation territory for the second month but uh, the deflation did ease uh, from January and that was largely down uh, to a slight recovery in that core inflation which of course excludes food and energy uh, the shift in the timing of the lunar New Year holiday again uh, does play into this uh, consumer inflation so this came As that distortion kind of faded at the same time, though, of course, we saw fewer people traveling for the Lunar New Year holiday. So travel uh, and transport did take a bit of a hit. So that played into that overall number. Of course, many people were urged to stay put uh, because of China saw a spike in cases at the start of the year. Falling food prices were also uh, playing into this overall headline number, too. We need to factor in uh, the outbreak, of course, this time last year uh, did cause that very high base of course when it came to things like China's favourite meat like pork and actually pork was down almost 15% year on year uh, which did tie in uh, to that broader picture but certainly economists say this isn't going to last long particularly as I say with this global recovery guys.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk
2: Box Europe Express. For more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com
3: or join us again on the show with Jeff Carpmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.